Hey friends, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Uh, today we're going to continue on with this, uh, um, well, these church services where I'm talking about the book of 2 Peter. Uh, yes, this is a little different from my regular format. Uh, this is actually a church service uh, and I'm teaching expositionally out of the book of 2 Peter but it has a lot of uh, elements in common with the regular things I talk about in this podcast. A couple things I just want to mention. Uh, my old laptop, of which a laptop that has served me well since the beginning of this ministry, I loved it so much. I had to lay it down to rest the other day. It died. Uh, it is at the doctor. Maybe they can resurrect it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I got the black screen of death. I've never seen anything like that from a computer. I think it's done. I think it's toast. So I'm on my new Toshiba laptop that I purchased uh, actually last Christmas. And it's very slow and I'm not very happy with it. I'm also on a new microphone uh, that I also uh, purchased <laughs> quite a ways back. Um, but I haven't needed to use it. But now this new laptop will not accept uh, the microphone and the soundboard that I've been using for a long time. So I've got this new sound. I hope you guys like it. I'm not very excited about it. I don't think it sounds as good as it used to. Uh, so I might be experimenting with some things over the next uh, few weeks as I try to get the sound quality back. Uh, but whatever the case, this is what I got. It's still better than the old Blackberry, right? So <laughs> whatever the case, it's fine. I'll live and things will move on as usual. Um, also, I mentioned last podcast that I was interviewing Ken Hovind. Or, I mean, I was interviewing Eric Hovind. Uh, yeah, I am. But I had the date wrong. It's actually going to happen on the 20th of July. So that's still a little ways out. No, no biggie. Uh, I've got some other interviews uh, coming up very soon as well. Sharam Hadian is one of them. I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, but whatever the case, yeah, let's go ahead and jump right in with part two of this study in the book of Second Peter. All right. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming by on this part two of Second Peter. Let's take this to the Lord. Father, thank you first for getting us here safely tonight. Lord, thank you for, for this opportunity to dig into your word. We are so blessed in this country that we can come together uh, without fear and learn about you, get into your word, and uh, learn how we can better know you and serve you. We just thank you and we praise you for that. Uh, Father, tonight, uh, you know I'm going to be jumping into some stuff that can be uncomfortable. Lord, I pray that uh, it would be received well, that I would come off in love uh, and, and in grace. Uh, but Lord, also that this message that I feel that you put on my heart comes out correctly. Uh, because it's very serious. It's a very serious message, Lord. And so um, we thank you for that. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so starting in verse 12. Wherefore, I will not neglect to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. So right away, Peter is trying to put something in your remembrance. Now, in the next two verses, remind or remembrance is used three times. 
which I think is good because sometimes we need to hear it a few times. I know my wife has to say things to me several times. She nods her head. <laughs> Clean the litter box. No. And she laughs. Um, so, yeah, actually, I want to go back and I want to look at what we talked about last week really briefly because uh, Peter is building on that. And so, you know, unfortunately, we got to go back. We got to look at it so that we can understand what is coming before that he's reminding us, us of. So, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence adds your faith virtue. And Peter goes on here, and he talks about seven different characteristics that we as Christians should really strive to make a part of our life, to develop in us. Uh, this is not a salvation issue. It's not an issue that you should feel uh, guilty about. But this is about something that is going to take you in your faith to the next level. And so he, he goes and he starts with adding to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Sorry, fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's where we get to verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. And going on to verse 13. Yes, I think it's right. As long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. And so he's saying that he's got to put off his tent. Now we know Paul was a tent maker, but Peter wasn't. What was he talking about there? Well, that word tent, skinoma, means his abode. He's talking about himself. He's talking about his tabernacle, his body. Okay? Um, that word actually is used only a few times in the New Testament, uh, one of the other times, it's actually used by Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. So that's one of those little things that, one of those little tidbits that people look at and say, I think Peter did write the first and second books of Peter, you know. So, um, but Christ predicted how Peter would uh, die. That, that's a little new to me, Right. Have you ever caught that before? It's in uh, John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19. Most sure, assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, and Jesus is speaking to Peter here, when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where, where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glor glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he he said to him, follow me. Wow, what a head trip. Could you imagine 
I mean, Christ himself letting you know that quite possibly you're going to be crucified. And Peter was crucified upside down. We know that's the way that he went. And so, moving on, verse 15. I, just, I, I think that's, that just blows my mind that Peter knew that. And he was, he was open about it. He's like, look, I'm, you know, I, I, this is shortly going to come to pass. And most likely, like I said last week, most likely he wrote this when he was in prison. Okay? The persecution under Nero was getting pretty hot. James had already been martyred. Uh, he was thrown off the roof of the temple. And when he hit the ground, he was still alive. So then they stoned him. Okay? Like, you know, nice way to go. Um, and so persecution was getting pretty heavy. And um, so we know that, yeah, he, he, he understood that he was going to go soon. And like I said also last week, his message is getting more and more urgent. He, he knows his time short. And just like Paul, just like James, just like Jesus, at the end of their ministry, things start getting intense. You know, hey, there are false teachers coming. There are false prophets coming. Take heed. Watch your doctrine. Keep to the faith. These types of things. And so moving on, verse 15. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty Cunningly devised fables. What's that? What exactly are they talking about here when they're talking about fables? Uh, Peter talks about fables, but so does Paul. Again, towards the end of his ministry, Paul brings up fables multiple times. In uh, Timothy and also in Titus, both of these letters are to pastors. They're often referred to as pastoral epistles, right? And so... Here is Paul teaching Timothy, this young pastor, you know, watch out for fables. And I want to read some of these scriptures. Uh, you know, 1 Timothy 3, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in the faith. So here we see that Paul, again, he's, this idea of doctrine keeps coming back in. Keep the faith. Know your doctrine. Understand what you're supposed to believe. Don't budge. Don't bend. Don't go with your feelings. And so, um, another scripture, Titus, Chapter 1, verse 14, uh, again, Paul wrote this, Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Um, At that time, the Pharisees had a lot of commandments of men. In fact, that carries on even to today. There is a lot of commandments of men. In fact, I I saw this uh, commercial on Facebook. It blew me away. My first reaction was to laugh, but then I immediately started feeling really bad. Uh, the kosher light switch. I'm I'm not kidding. There is a kosher light switch because on the Sabbath, you can't kindle a fire. All right? Well, flipping a light switch 
you have, you know, you've got your circuit, and as soon as you flip the switch, the circuit is complete, and they see that as starting a fire. All right? So they have a light switch <clears throat> that there are two leads, and the electricity arcs across the leads. So it's constantly shooting electricity across the leads. When you flip the light switch, a piece of plastic comes down in between and blocks that electricity from arcing across to the other lead. So the light effectively stays on all the time. All you're doing is blocking the electricity from getting through. And I'm thinking, my goodness, guys. I mean, do you think this honors God? Are you serious? And, it was, and, and I kind of chuckled. And then it was like, they're missing it. They are so missing it. Straining at a gnat, swallowing a camel, you know, they're, they're so intent on following the letter of the law, they miss the whole spirit of the law. And then th- their view of God must be so, you know, skewed. That, that is a fable. That, that's a commandment of men, but it's also a fable. Why? Why would you do that? And I, I know that back then also, you couldn't uh, give your neighbor bread on the Sabbath. You couldn't take it to their house. But there's always a loophole. There's always a loophole. You can throw it through your window into their window if you can make it. (laughs) What is that? So anyway, um, commandments of men. The word fable um, that we're looking at here, actually I want to read one more scripture. This one's really good too. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 Uh, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, latter times, I think we might all agree that I think we're kind of there, right? Uh, Latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, like Jim's pulled pork sandwich and bacon. If it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer, if You put the brethren in remembrance of these things. You shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of the faith and of good doctrine, whereunto you have attained, uh, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself unto godliness. So, again, the whole concept of fables. And we've got two different teachers here, Paul and Peter, both at the end of their ministries, and they're like, Doctrine, watch out for fables, hold the faith. Okay, what do they mean by fables? Well, you look up that word, uh, Greek, muthos. It is a tale, it's fiction. Okay, uh, some believe that it might have come from the root word, I'm going to butcher this, uh, muyo, I don't know. Uh, that, that, that word uh, means to initiate, that is by implication to teach or instruct. They're very similar words. Almost get the impression to teach and instruct fiction. Okay? Which, from God's perspective, these, this is fiction. Right? Uh, there, there was, I mean, just like back then, there's lots of fiction. There's lots of fables today. Back then, they had things like uh, the Mithra cult. 
They had Gnosticism. Brian talked about Gnosticism quite a bit. The idea that uh, spirit is good, matter, evil. There is really no such thing as sin because when you're sinning in the flesh, it doesn't matter how bad the sin is. Um, it doesn't really matter because your flesh is doing it. Your spirit's still clean. It's, it's a really strange concept. Jesus was not a man. He was spirit. The spirit came down on him during uh, uh, his baptism and then ascended during the crucifixion, which totally butchers the atonement, if you think about it. These are, the, okay, so Gnosticism was a big fable back in Peter's day, in Paul's day. Uh, throughout the ages, we move into other fables. Um, there is Catholicism. There's a lot, I, I know, I keep picking on Catholicism. Yeah, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity offender, I promise you that. But they fit so well with a lot of the stuff that's in this book. Uh, they have so many fables. When you have a pope who is infallible, okay, according to their doctrine, whatever he speaks from the chair, ex cathedra, that's doctrine. That's as if Christ himself is speaking through him. In fact, they call him the vicar of Christ, which means God in the flesh. Yikes. Dangerous. Really dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in fact, you could say antichrist, that means instead of Christ, some people argue that the Pope is Antichrist. Okay? And I, you could say he is an Antichrist, for sure. But they take papal authority plus the traditions of the Catholic Church, and they start making up some different fables. Okay? Um, some of these fables would include things like uh, the doctrine of purgatory, the idea that uh, as believers, after we die, we don't go to paradise, like the Bible says. You know, Christ looked over at the thief on the cross next to him who his whole life had been, been a punk, okay? He'd been a do-batter, and at the last second, he repented. The last second! And was like, you know, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks over at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Okay? But they believe that when you die, um, throughout your life, you have meritorious works. That's where you do uh, uh, various sacramental works within the Catholic Church. And it's, if you can imagine, it's almost like a bank account. And every time you do a meritorious work, you're making a deposit. And you're working up this account, okay? Well, then you've also got your sin account. And that's like your debt, okay? On the day you die... If the balances are heavier in the sin side, you go to purgatory and you burn off the rest of those sins. That's what they believe. Unless, of course, you've got the, the get-out-of-jail-free card, which is the scapular, which is a little thing that you... It's like a necklace, and it's got a little square in the front and back, and you wear it around your neck, and if you die with that on, instantly you're cool. You don't get to go to purgatory. I know, right? I mean, that's at least a little more fun than the kosher switch. But, <laughs> you know, it's a modern-day fable. Uh, prayer to saints. Uh, saints have such a heavy meritorious work account that you can pray to them, and they will apply some of their merits to your account. Uh, they'll also petition the Father for you. Whereas Jesus said, you know, uh, 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 there's one man between uh, the Father and 
Oh, goodness, now I'm butchering it. The man Christ Jesus, all right? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? There's only one mediator between man and God, right? And so um, they believe that by praying to these saints, the saints will then petition the Father for you. And so you, you have stuff like that. Fables like praying, or, or I'm sorry, burying a St. John statue in your front yard is going to somehow get your house sold. What's that? Okay. Uh, Mary, she was assumed into heaven sinless. They believe that Mary was sinless her whole life. She never once sinned. And they believe this because Christ was sinless. So in order for Christ to be sinless, his mom had to be sinless too, which doesn't make sense because then Mary's mom has to be sinless too, right? And all the way back, it doesn't work. But they believe that she was totally sinless. And then uh, she never died. She actually, like Elijah, she was just assumed up into heaven alive. Um, And, of course, we all know that there is, they won't claim that they worship Mary, okay? So Catholics get very offended if you say you guys worship Mary. They venerate her. They call it hyperdulia. It's a, it's, a, it's a heavy veneration, okay? But, I mean, you look at it. They're kneeling down in front of a statue, and they're worshiping Mary. I mean, it's, I mean, it's basically worship, right? But these types of things are basically fables. There's um, also, I didn't really want to take this rabbit trail, but I couldn't help myself. The, the, the relics of the Catholic Church really kind of tripped me out. I have to admit it. It's so different from what we see in the scriptures and what we see like here, right? Um, They have all these holy relics, right, that will lend to their piety. Certain relics will grant you uh, meritorious works. Like there is a statue of Peter that it's made out of some kind of metal, but people come and kiss its toe. (laughs) And so many lips have touched that metal on the foot that it, if you look at the pictures, it looks like his foot's melting. Can you imagine that? That many lips causing metal to bend and, brrr, and it looks like it's melting and all the colors off of it. It's, it's really interesting, but uh, that's referred to as a monstrance um, and just a particular relic. But then things get really weird. Um, <laughs> that is a severed hand. That, that is a real severed hand uh, I don't know whose it is. It's some saints. Uh, that is something, you know, again, by having these hands, corpses, they'll have whole dead bodies in a glass coffin inside a church, and then people will kneel before it, and they'll kiss the coffin, they'll lay their hand on it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. That's a head. That is a severed head. Um, they... <laughs> They will take this relic from its little sacred spot and they will head off. (laughs) You're laughing. Come on. I was being serious here. They will head off down the street. They will parade it through the street and people will sing songs to this head and will venerate the head. Now, I got to give you a little heads up on the next one. Sorry about that. <laughs> I thought it was more funny than you guys did. Heads up. I got to give you a heads up on this. Okay. Okay. But yeah, that, that is a head inside of that little shroud thing there. I, it, 
it turns out that working for the Catholic Church and collecting relics is a good way to get ahead in life. All right, moving on. Sorry. But anyway, going back to what we're talking about here, fables. These are modern-day fables. Um, Coming into modern times, even more so, outside of the church, uh, the theory of evolution, fable. And so many people buy into that. The idea that 14.6 billion years ago, in a vacuum, a singularity took place, an infinitesimally small point, which literally means nothing, got hot, started spinning, and then exploded, and all the matter that we see throughout all the cosmos was exploded and brought into existence and one little explosion. That is a fable. And to me, I think it takes more faith to believe that than in God. You know what I'm saying? Um, And that stars formed from from this gas of the explosion and then somehow condensed, even though gas cannot, I mean, it just simply cannot do that. You need gravity for it to be attracted together. But somehow these stars formed, they had to, they formed into population three stars, they had to continue to explode to fuse into higher elements in order for us to get all the elements in the periodic table so that we could get this planet, and then we had this planet It rained on the rocks for millions of years. We got a little puddle of organic soup. Lightning struck the puddle. Life came from nothing. And that life somehow knew how to reproduce and, you know, found a wife and kept going. You know what I'm saying? Fable. That comes from people's imaginations. And so uh, in the church today, there's a lot of fables, too, within our, not our body, but within evangelical Christianity, if you will, Um, We'll talk about those next week. Because next week, we're going to get into false teachers and false prophets. That's going to get uncomfortable. Guys, I mean, we know from scriptures that in the latter times, there's going to be false prophets, false teachers, false apostles. They're everywhere. So we're going to be talking about that next week. Um, But even, you know, people like, okay, here we have Peter and Paul both saying, Doctrine is so important. They're stressing it, stressing it, stressing it. Doctrine. And watch out for false teachers. Watch out for fables. And we have teachers like Rick Warren, who's America's pastor, right? Everybody calls him America's pastor. He's he's part of the Trilateral Commission. Ryan brought that up a couple couple months back. Um, He's the one pushing Chrislam. Have you guys heard of Chrislam? It's a blending of Christianity and Islam into a church building, this, okay, if this was a sneak attack by Rick Warren, and he was in there, and he got them all together, and then he gave them the gospel, I'd just shut up. I'd be like, yeah, you know, you go, go do it, (laughs) get it done. But he doesn't. He gives, he lends credibility to Islam. What? He's also part of Tony Blair's faith-based foundation, where they are moving to bring together all the religions of the world under one banner. He has met with the Pope. Um, he is, um, oh, what else? He, he, uh, he did something else recently. He's, he does a lot of things that try to bring together faiths of, around the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He took part in the Manhattan Declaration, which 
is a, a common word between Catholics and Protestants. Again, trying to bring the two together. And like I said, if, if he was doing this and somehow he was hitting with the gospel, man, amen, you go, get it done. But he's not. He's not. So, you know, these are the types of things we're looking for. So going back to uh, verse 16 of Second Peter, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we had made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. All right, so another thing that's worth mentioning here, the resurrection, okay? They were witnesses to his majesty. Now, technically, Peter goes on and talks about what he's actually saying there, and he's actually talking about the transfiguration. But we also know that Peter was a witness of Christ's life. He was there. He got to see all this stuff. He got to see Christ crucified, He got to see Christ after he rose from the dead. You know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, And he got to see uh, Christ ascend into heaven. Wow. Okay. They, the apostles, the disciples, were not taking part in a fable. They were not spreading a gospel that was a lie, that was a fiction, that was a tale. They actually got to see this stuff. And like I mentioned, James, brother of Jesus, okay? When he was younger, he thought Jesus was beside himself. And wouldn't you, seriously, if your brother was claiming to be the Messiah, you'd be like, (laughs) there he goes again, come on. You know, he thought he was beside himself, but then he, he... meets Christ after he raises from the dead. All of a sudden, James ends up being the bishop of Jerusalem. Okay, He's like the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And then he dies a horrible martyr death, seriously, for what he knew to be true. Now, I mean, if, if he just had a moment where he thought he saw Jesus risen from the dead, his brother, he wouldn't be willing to go that far. You know what I'm saying? When, when he was put to the test and they were like, you know, we're going to kill you. You know, he'd probably be like, gosh, did I, did I really see him alive again? You know, guys, I think I was straight tripping. You know, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to go home. And, you know, they'd probably beat him up and let him go home. <laughs> you know, he died for what he knew was true. Peter, he got to see the risen Christ. And he knew Christ rose from the dead. He suffered being martyred upside down. He could have recanted. He could have said, no, I'm sorry I made that up or whatever. I got carried away. It was all crazy, and we kind of, ooh, sorry, but anyway, you know, can I go home now? You know, and they probably would have let him home after a good whooping, you know. But he was willing to face death. John, same thing. John didn't face death, but he saw the risen Christ. Uh, There are legends that say he was boiled in oil. We don't know if that's true or not, but probably is. Um, Thomas, he was martyred. He got to see and touch and handle Christ. He got to put his hand in Christ's wounds, which is right. And he was willing to die for his faith. We see in uh, uh, 1 
Corinthians chapter 15. No, actually, no. I want to take you to uh, John. First John, verses 1 through 3, really quick. Because I like how John says this. He, he doesn't, he doesn't let, let you have any room to think that possibly he didn't see this. He says, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, Thomas, of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show, it, show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, just in case you miss it, we actually got to see this stuff. <laughs> you know, we were there, we saw it, and we believe it. Um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 9, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I have also received, this is Paul speaking, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over a hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. And so, yeah, anyway, there were so many people that got to see the risen Christ. They were willing to pay with their lives. This wasn't a fable. They were eyewitnesses of this stuff going down. And that's the faith we follow. So moving on to verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mount. And so we have a prophetic word. The King James says, a more sure word. I love that. We have a more sure word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And so again, here we go again with Peter. He's pounding this whole idea of doctrine, the word, check the scriptures. Just like, you know, I'm up here spouting off for the next little while here. You guys need to go home and check the scriptures to find out whether or not what I'm saying is true. Acts 17, 11. You know, the Bereans, they, they were more noble because they checked to see whether or not it was true. They went to the Bible. Um, Peter here is stressing the importance of the inspired word of God. Uh, he even says, we would do well to heed it. Uh, and this is critical during our time because people put so much emphasis on experiences. Have you guys seen this yet in Christianity? You watch TBN? I, I despise TBN. There's a, good, there's a couple good shows on there, but there's so much junk. And there's so much emphasis on experiences. Um, the Emergent Church. You guys familiar with that movement at all? Probably not really, sort of, kind of. Um, Brian McLaren, Rob Bell, uh, 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 so many other of these teachers. Uh, they all just escape my mind. But uh, the Emergent Church is a movement that's very postmodern. Uh, they don't believe in absolute truth. Okay, so they question 
everything and answer nothing. So yeah, people like Rob Bell that are like, is hell really real? And they never answer. They just let the question hang. And now they go up in front of their people and start hitting the doctrine of hell with all these questions so that you doubt it. And then they just walk away. And they just totally mess up the brains of their, of their people. You know, is uh, uh, homosexual, homosexuality really a sin, according to the Bible? And then they'll start hitting it. And then they'll just walk away. Uh, Brian McLaren, leader of this movement, his, his, uh, he just officiated a wedding between his son and another man. Okay? But they're really big into experiences and not doctrine. They really shy away from doctrine. Uh, in fact, Rob Bell even said something recently about, you know, uh, oh, how did he phrase it? Basically, that there is coming a time where the church is going to abandon doctrine, you know. And, I mean, that's, that's just how they see things. The Word of Faith movement and the, and the real hyper-charismatic crowd. Some of you guys know that I, I was saved in a very hyper-charismatic church. I mean, we were hyper-charismatic. We were, we were swinging from the chandeliers. We were running the aisles with tambourines and swinging flags, right? And, uh, I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was like WWF off the top ropes. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but in this environment... Um, it was all about experiences, okay? In fact, the pastor would had a saying that he would always say that a man with an argument is no match for a man with an experience. He would repeat that over and over and over. Get it in your head. We would go to church day, you know, every Sunday. We'd start at about 8.30 in the morning. We'd get out at about 2. And it was total, like, off-the-wall experience craziness. And, I mean, if you didn't fall over on the floor and twitch or prophesy over somebody, you didn't do church. You know, maybe your faith is weak or, you know, you got some sin in your life or a demon, uh, you know. Um, but <clears throat> we would do this thing where we would line up and prophesy over each other. The pastor would actually encourage us to stand opposite of somebody and then pray and then get a word. Force God to give you a word. And then prophesy over somebody. What happens in the Old Testament when somebody says a false prophecy? You get rocked to sleep. I mean, people, they'll take you outside the camp and they will stone you. It's not a pretty thing, okay? That doesn't happen nowadays. But God's, God's immutable. He doesn't change. His character is the same. And so when, when, when that kind of stuff happens... God is angry. I mean, let's just say it how it is. He's angry. And we're over there prophesying over each other, whether we heard God or not. Okay? Dangerous. Really dangerous. Always looking for an experience. Always wanting to flop around on the ground and twitch and be slain in the spirit. You know, these things you see on TBN, Benny Hinn swinging his coat around and people flying all over the ground. and uh, it, Total pandemonium. Total chaos. Um, and so moving on into uh, verses 20 and 21, because this fits. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay? He starts off with knowing this first, as in 
What I'm about to say, you better consider a priority. This is a big deal. Uh, private interpretation, the, 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 or yeah, private interpretation, the Greek there, carries the idea of untying or loosing. And so these men, by their own will, would untie and loose their own ideas, their own prophecies, versus what the scriptures say where holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit. You know, In other words, prophecy, the origin of prophecy is not in man. It's not some dude coming up with something and, and just prophesying it, like Jehovah's Witnesses who say that Christ returned in, they were, he was supposed to return in 1914, and then it came and went, and it was like, oh. actually, he's going to return in 1925. Came and went. Didn't happen. Then oh, he's going to come back in 1976. Still didn't happen. Pretty soon they learned to stop prophesying. Good lesson to learn. But so many of these people don't. There's so many false prophets right now in this world who are pushing forth this stuff, and and, and, and nobody bats an eye. When they get a prophecy wrong, nobody, I mean, gives them the left foot of fellowship. You know what I'm saying? Get out of here. You've got to be kidding me. Harold Camping? You know, these types of people. Kenneth Copeland, he's busted out so many prophecies that have been false. It's ridiculous. Benny Hinn. Um, Rick Joyner. I now might step on some toes. I've, I've read a whole bunch of his books. I was all into Rick Joyner. That guy has false prophesied so many times. Um, Todd Bentley. It, so many of these different people that are part of this movement are busting out false prophecies. In the Old Testament, they would have been taken out back and stoned. Okay, And God, again, God is mad. That is not something you mess with. Um, also, I think it, it, it's interesting to note, too, Okay, if you're claiming God is speaking through you, right, then, and you're claiming that what is coming out of your mouth is the very words of God, okay? Let me ask you this. Is it possible that then you are now making a claim, A, that you're a prophet, but also a claim that it's equal to Scripture? Because is one set of God's words better than another? Are you not adding to the canon? Are you not saying that, well, here's the Bible, but then there's also me speaking God's word, you know? Totally independent of the Bible. That's scary. That's dangerous. Sarah Young, you know, she even claims in her commentary, I might have said this last week, I can't remember. She claims, you're nodding your head, she claims that in her, in, in, in her Bible commentary that her words, when Christ is speaking through her, are equal with Scripture, Whoa, could you imagine standing before the throne of God and him saying, you said I said what? You know? <laughs> no, no thank you. Check please. <laughs> no way. So uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 11. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. That was when Christ was asked, what would be the sign of your coming? And he went down a list of things, earthquakes, famines, wars, rumors of wars. And then all of a sudden he busts out, many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And I think we are there, guys. We are there. Next week we're really going to jump into this. Because there's a lot of stuff that needs to be talked about and exposed. 
What is a prophet according to the scriptures? What is an apostle? So many people claim to be apostles right now. No. No. They might be apostles sent out by the church, but they're not apostles of Christ, and they don't enjoy the same authority and power that the apostles of Christ did. But we'll talk about that next week. Um, 2 Corinthians, is that showing up? It is good. Uh, 11, verses 13 to 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Scary tacos. <laughs> Seriously. Sorry about that. Scary tacos. Anyway, um, that's very, very, very dangerous to be doing this. So anyway, fables, worldviews, you know, these things really do matter to God. Whether we hold the line on correct doctrine or we get sidetracked into fables, that is very, very uh, important to our Father. And so that really, that is what I really wanted to stress tonight, again, is that we need to hold the line on doctrine. We need to watch out for false teachers. They are here, and they are teaching, okay? They are out there. They are doing their thing, and we've got to watch out for these people. Um, we need to understand what we're supposed to believe. Uh, we need to base our theology on the inspired word of God and not on experiences, uh, so yeah, next week we'll talk about false prophets, false teachers, and false apostles. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, this evening. I pray, Lord, that, um, well, if, if there is anything that was not of you, Father, that, that, well, everybody would forget it. But, Father, we pray that it's so much of this is so important, Father, and we pray that it would stick with us, that we would learn exactly what we're supposed to believe hold to right theology, not uh, take part in spiritual enterprises with, with those who are, 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 are subscribing to fables, Father, but rather in love, in truth, expose error and bring people to the truth. Father, I pray that you would seal your word to our hearts tonight, uh, and we thank you for that. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. And, and also... Uh, while everybody's heads are bowed, if there's, you know, we know, we know that um, the scriptures, you know, the scriptures have shown themselves to be true. We've seen the, the prophecies of this coming one, this Messiah, all throughout the, the Old Testament. And this Messiah and his prophets, they declare to us that if we sin, we are breaking God's commandments. We are breaking his law. Uh, the wages of sin are death. Okay, That would be eternal separation from God. And every one of us, we know, Father, we know we're sinners. We know we're sinners. We've all told lies. We've all stolen things. Some of us have lusted. Most of us have taken your name in vain. We know that we're sinners. But we also know the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We know that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. 
And what that means is our sins will be atoned for. They'll be covered. We can be forgiven today. Our sins can be covered right now. And we can be assured of our place in paradise, of our place in heaven throughout all eternity. And so if if there's anybody here tonight or somebody listening by podcast or whatever, uh, you know, just pray after me. Uh, If you want to receive the Lord tonight, if you want to know that your sins are forgiven and turn your life to Christ, pray after me. Say, Father, I I have sinned. I have broken your commandments. I have broken your law. And I know that if I get what I deserve, I'm going to get separation from you. I'm, I deserve hell. I deserve that. But Father, I, I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and he lived a whole life perfect without sin. Christ, God in the flesh, fully man, fully God. And he willingly gave himself. He died on the cross, taking the punishment I deserve. And he, through that sacrifice, covered my sins. And I accept that. I claim that. I believe that. And I will do everything I can to follow after you with all of my life. I praise you, Father. I trust in you. I trust in what you did on that cross. Please make me more like your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with some worship. All right, guys, we'll stop there. Uh, Next week, we will pick up with uh, the third part of 2 Peter. I'm hoping to get you another podcast that is somewhere within the normal vein of things that I I give you guys every week. I'm hoping to do that sometime uh, late this week. We'll see how it pans out. With my computer dying uh, over the weekend, I spent hours and hours trying to bring it back to life Uh, to no avail. And so that kind of blew up my uh, weekend uh, um, recording that I was going to be doing. So that kind of messed me up a little bit. Whatever the case, that's my plan. I'm hoping to give you guys another podcast sometime later this week, if it all works out. And so with that, I love you guys, and we'll, we'll see you when I produce the next podcast.